You're listening to a classic business podcast as heard on Classic 1027. 1027. Netcare continued to see steady improvement in both patient days and occupancy levels in the first half of 2021 when compared with the second half of last year. This is despite both six-month periods being impacted by the first and then the second waves of the COVID-19 pandemic. Top line in the first half of 2021 rose by 24% to just over 10 billion rand and group EBITDA for the first half increased by a whopping 654%. It is obviously one of those sets of results that is heavily skewed by base effects and that sort of thing. CEO Richard Friedland is on the line. Evening, Richard. What were the primary impacts of COVID-19 second wave on the business? The primary impact was not dissimilar to the first wave, but muted uh, in terms of uh, an impact on overall activity, really. And that uh, is played out in our financial metrics that you see. So whilst we perform better than we did in the first wave, in other words, six months on six months, both in terms of activity and financial performance, we still lagged our pre-COVID or pre-pandemic um, performance. And um, paradoxically, even though we saw more COVID patients in the second wave, we were able to manage our bed capacity and utilization a lot more efficiently and allow for more elective work to flow back into uh, our various divisions. So that helped us Mm. in this past six months. I suppose it's the ability to learn and to adapt and tailor your response as we discover and know more about this virus. What have you learned since uh, we last spoke that uh, would inform a response to a potential third wave? I mean, we haven't seen it uh, starting to ramp up really, but there are provinces where we're seeing signs. How would you like government to respond into a third wave? Well, I think uh, in terms of our own particular response, we remain ready and prepared. We're obviously very concerned about the numbers now in the Gauteng. We're not seeing increases in KwaZulu-Natal and the Eastern Cape, and we're seeing very, very small increases in the Western Cape. But the Gauteng does look like, um, in all probability, within the next week or so, we'll officially enter a third wave. In other words, a number of cases over the last seven days, as an average, that are positive should be more than 30% of the, of the peak of the second wave. And the peak of the second wave in Gauteng was about 5,500 cases. So we're currently at about 1,300 cases, and that's been rapidly rising over the last few weeks. So the Gauteng is our major concern. Uh, in terms of our own response, um, we've put in a lot of uh, additional measures since the second wave and during the second wave, one being... The biggest issue in the second wave that uh, we as South Africans and providers encountered was a potential shortage of oxygen. Remembering in the first wave, uh, we didn't know about the benefits of high-flow nasal oxygenation and oxygenation generally. And so in the second wave, there was uh, quite a significant shortage. And so we've put in place um, remote telemetry so that we can remotely manage and measure our oxygen utilization Uh, on a a minute-by-minute basis, uh, 24 hours a day. We've been a lot more efficient in managing our beds. In the second wave, even though we saw 39% more patients than we did in our um, first wave, we uh, utilized a lot less beds. In fact, in the first wave, 80% of our beds were dedicated to COVID, and in the second wave, uh, only 60%. And so we're hoping for the third wave we can continue to allow normal patients to come into our facilities 
uh, obviously together with managing the COVID pandemic. What we'd require from government and what we'd ask for government is a very simple uh, one is that we all have to bandy together as South Africans and make sure everyone gets vaccinated. That is the key issue that's going to counter uh, this terrible pandemic and uh, going to influence the recovery of South Africa Incorporated. And it is all about uh, getting people vaccinated and Operation Vulundlela springs to mind because it's all about execution, isn't it? Uh, we, we've got the vaccines coming through the door now in Pfizer and uh, and J&J. We saw last week, we, we kicked off on Monday with uh, a very, very slow start. We ramped up through the course of the week, but we're still currently, if you look at it uh, and express it in the form of a run rate, if we needed to hit 100,000 a day, at the start of last week, with the slow pace of the first week, we're now up to 114,000 a day. So every day that we don't start hitting that run rate, it makes it tougher and tougher. What do you see as some of the key challenges? And how would you, as NetCare, as the country's largest hospital group, like to assist an aid government in achieving those targets? Well, we played a very significant role in the first wave, uh, in the first uh, rollout of the Sasanki J&J trial, where we helped vaccinate more than 65,000 healthcare workers. And um, we provide vaccinators and administrators to a number of sites. And we are making available 30 primary care facilities, Medicross family medical and dental centers, that will help vaccinate in the second wave. And certain of our hospital sites, and these sites are mega sites at Mill Park, in the last week of the uh, Sasanki J&J um, uh, vaccine program, we were doing over 3,000 vaccines a day there. So these are omega sites that will be able to help um, in the uh, rollout of vaccines. Are you seeing government reach across to say Netcare would like you to help us and, and we're going to ensure there's a dedicated stream of vaccines coming to you? Just give us a, a yes, sense absolutely. of what's happening behind that, the scenes. Uh, through, um, B4SA and the Department of Health, there is a joined-up response here and initiative to vaccinate as many people as possible, as quickly as possible. So I think there's very good collaboration um, on the ground uh, at the moment. When it comes to one of the key trends that have emerged through COVID, digital projects were shelved initially or, or, or placed on ice. In fact, all CapEx was pretty much placed on ice when we went into lockdown. What businesses quickly realized was that COVID is ushering in an era where you have to be digital first. You have to have a digital presence. How has this impacted your own digitalization strategy? Because it was interesting chatting to Telcom CEO Sipo Maseko, who said he's seen a lot of their big enterprise customers actually place their, their digital projects on hold. I, I, to me, that sounded a little bit counterintuitive in, in how you prepare yourself as a business for future growth. Well, I think you raise an incredibly important point here, Michael. I think if anything, COVID-19, to your, to, to, to your point, is, has emphasized the need for rapid digitization. It's changed the ways of working. And so we are pressing ahead full steam on this. We have a program that will cost about $650 million. We have had delays through COVID, and we're trying to manage that as best as possible. Now that all of our workers, are, virtually all of our workers, are now vaccinated, you know, alleviate some of the safety concerns we had but absolutely, it's a synonym qua. We have to digitize, and uh, we'll have completed our digitization by mid-2023, towards the end of 2023, throughout the entire NetCare um, ecosystem.
And then just lastly, your outlook. Obviously, you say in these results that you're encouraged by that improved sequential operational performance and the ability to adapt your response. You're able to do slightly more elective surgeries as a result. But what are you expecting over the second half? Well, again, that depends on, on, on how severe this third wave is and which provinces are affected and how we can manage that in a more nuanced way. So, you know, let me give you an example. Um, there is an assumption out there by various parties. I know that the South African Blood uh, Services uh, issued a study in January that said that herd immunity in South Africa was a lot higher than um, the numbers suggest and others have come out with similar data. And if that's the case, then the third wave should be reasonably um, muted as compared to the second wave. However, we are entering winter, and uh, we've seen with colder climes in Europe and elsewhere that social distancing and these non-pharmaceutical preventative measures are more difficult um, to maintain. People are indoors, they huddle together, ventilation is poor, and therefore the spread of the virus is greater. So, you know, there are a number of factors here that might influence a third wave. And I think um, we're very dependent on the severity of that third wave to determine as to how quickly we can recover. Certainly, we're hoping that we can continue to see the volumes that we have seen and the return to what I would call certainly a new normal in the coming months. Mick Casey, uh, Richard Friedland, thanks for your time. We're going to have to leave it there.